All right, last time. This, is, this will be the, the wrap-up of this Fruit of the Spirit series that I've been doing. If you've been tracking with us, you know that we've been going through this passage and looking at all of these examples of spiritual fruit one by one. That comes from Galatians chapter 5 where Paul writes, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gen- faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. So nine weeks as we've been going through those things one by one. And today I'm I'm going to wrap that all up. So instead of looking at any one of those in particular, let's consider all of them together in something that, well, a fruit salad as it comes together for us. And I want to do this with a particular focus. So we have been looking at all of these various qualities or character traits that come with the fruit of the Spirit. And and we have been giving some attention then to how we as God's people walk in those ways. How those are character traits, seeds that God, through his Holy Spirit, plants within us and grows within us. And we become his people through that in living the way that he desires for us to live. Today I want us to focus that in a little bit of a different direction. And this will make sense as we go, at least I hope it will as I explain this, that that we're going to talk about the way that spiritual fruit becomes a diagnostic framework. Those are a couple big words that maybe you think, you lost me already. I will explain that as we go through it so that this makes sense. All right, so... Let's look first at a passage of scripture that comes from Colossians, and it is in fact a piece of this we looked at nine weeks ago when we began this series, and we're returning to it now. And then we'll get into this idea of spiritual fruit as a diagnostic framework for how we live, right? Colossians 3, let's start with that. Uh, And I'll begin at verse 1 and read the first 14 verses. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew or no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, spiritual fruit. How are we going to wrap this one up? How are we going to give this something that shows us how to live as God's people, but then also take it forward to, well, what I'm going to call a diagnostic framework. Uh, There's going to be three steps that I take to get there today. So if you're following along or taking notes, here's the three moves that we're going to make. First, we're going to talk about how spiritual fruit is an ongoing process and see how that works. From there, we're going to talk about how spiritual fruit shows immediate practical action. And then from there, we'll get to this idea of a diagnostic framework. And I'm going to spend most of the time on that. So, so that's the roadmap of where we're heading here today. First of all, then, let's spend a little bit of time considering how it is that spiritual fruit is an ongoing process. Something that doesn't just flip a switch and it's all there or none of it's there, but it is something that grows that continues. It is something that reveals itself in a way that keeps growing and building and becoming brighter in different ways. We see something of that in this passage that we read today. In particular, look at verses 9 and 10, if you have that in your order of worship, to see what Paul says about this. He says, you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Being renewed. That it's an ongoing thing. That it happens continually in this process as we think about that and what that means for us. That spiritual fruit, spiritual fruit as it takes shape in our lives, it continually grows. Like many of you, um, most of the rooms in my house have light switches on the wall. And we, we put lights on our house because when the sun goes down and we still want to see, right, we turn a light on. I've got plenty of rooms like that in my house. And most of those rooms, it's a switch on the wall. And when you turn that light on, it's on. And when you turn the switch off, the light is off. It is either full wattage and bright or it's zero voltage and dark. However, I have a few rooms in my house that have a dimmer switch. One of those light switches where I can control that so the light may be barely on. It's dim and it's faint. It's a soft glow. Just enough light in the the darkness to see, but if I wanted to actually maybe you read a book or do something that focuses some attention to see, well, the dim won't do. I've got to brighten it up for that. And, and in fact, some of those lights in my house are, are connected to the internet, and, and I program them. Program them so that when it's time to get up in the morning, those lights begin to turn on. But they don't just flip on bright, because nobody wants to wake up that way. It happens that when it's time to wake up in the morning, some of these lights fade on gradually. They start very dim and very soft, and over the span of about 20 minutes, they just gradually keep getting a little bit brighter and brighter, till finally, I have to admit, fine, I'll get out of bed and start my day and and get up. 
I think what Paul is telling us here about spiritual fruit follows something like that. And maybe that's instructive for us as a place to start today. An awareness that spiritual fruit is not necessarily an all-or-nothing kind of proposition. That either you've got it, and if you've got it, you've got it all, and it's radiant and bright, or if it's not that, then it's nothing. And it's off, and it's gone, and there's nothing there. But Paul is saying, you know what, there is an ongoing process. There is, well, the big church word we use, there is a sanctification that takes place in us as God's people. That we are continually more and more growing to learn what it means for us to be the people he created us to be. And as we do that, we learn how to practice and put into action these spiritual fruits which we bear. And sometimes there are examples when those spiritual fruits may be rather dim or faint or soft, not radiant and not beaming, but they're beginning to grow. They're beginning to be expressed. And so we look for examples of spiritual fruit, recognizing that it's not an all or nothing, but there is a process of growth that happens in that. That's one thing I want to keep in mind as we think about what it means to identify and live with spiritual fruit. That it's something that grows in this ongoing process. Something that shows up, that spiritual fruit continually grows as we are people who are always being renewed in the image of our Creator. But then, let's move on from there. The second thing that I want us to note is the way that spiritual fruit has immediate practical action. That it shows up, that it's evident, that we can see it. It, It's not just an idea or a theory or something that just lives in our brains or in our hearts, but it has real life action in the world that we live in. It shows up. We can see it. It's tangible. But we have to go one more step to get there. Let me point out two things in this passage that show how that works. Right? One is in verse 9, the other is in verse 13. Look at these instructions that Paul gives. In verse 9 he says, do not lie to each other. Now, that's not listed anywhere in anything that we have said over the last nine weeks as a spiritual fruit. Truth-telling is not ever expressed as a spiritual fruit. However... Truth-telling is something that we automatically get to when we embrace spiritual fruit. That's how Paul is presenting it in this passage, isn't he? That he's talking about the way that we ought to clothe ourselves with compassion, gentleness, all of those spiritual fruits that we've talked about over the past weeks. And when we live like that, it has some byproduct, result, outcomes, things that become a part of who we are as people in the way that we act, in the way that we live, in the actions that we perform, that it shows up with real-life practical action. So Paul can say in verse 13, forgive one another, because 
when we bear the spiritual fruit of compassion, we are people who forgive. It's a natural outcome. These things that are listed then, these are not some kind of a moral checklist. It's not things that I just keep a bingo card to try to win the game of piety. These things are natural outcomes. It's a natural, automatic byproduct that happens when we embrace spiritual fruit. Action that comes. But, Look at how Paul frames this for us. It's action that is expressed towards one another. That when we see spiritual fruit that is bearing in our lives, it shows up in how we act with one another. That's how Paul frames that in this passage. Don't lie to each other. Forgive one another. How we live together shows the action, the outcome, the byproduct of a life that bears spiritual fruit. We show and see those couple of things. So I want us to keep that in mind. Keep in mind that spiritual fruit is an ongoing process. It's something that in some ways begins dim and faint and a soft glow, but it grows and becomes brighter and brighter. And let's also keep in mind that spiritual fruit shows up with real-life action, that it has this outcome, this byproduct that occurs when we live as people who bear fruit. Then let's get to what it means for spiritual fruit to be a diagnostic framework. I want to spend some time on this. First, I better explain what I mean by diagnostic framework. When your body is not healthy, when you're sick, when you have an ailment, you know something is wrong with your body, you go to see a doctor. The doctor provides a diagnosis. Diagnosis meaning, well, the the definition that I pulled up here, it's a critical analysis of the nature of something, the symptoms that we see that are exhibited there. Or I'll give it that even a little bit more of an expanded definition. It is the act or process of identifying or determining the nature and cause of something through evaluation, examination, and review of data. That's what a diagnosis is. So, if I'm not feeling well, I know there's something wrong with me, I go to a doctor and I look for a diagnosis. The doctor then examines me as the patient and asks questions about my health and health history and that kind of thing, runs tests if tests are needed, pulls all those things in, compares those results with other results and other data that's out there, and the doctor makes a diagnosis, a physical diagnosis of what my health condition may be. And from that diagnosis... There's, of course, a plan of action to go forward. There's something to do next. If, if we can identify, if I'm sick or ill, identify by diagnosing what that problem is, then we can also identify what has to happen next to address that, to fix that, to find healing from that, to be restored to health. That's how we think of a diagnosis maybe in medical terms. And I go to a doctor for that because I trust that a doctor has been trained. Been trained in human biology, in anatomy, 
that they've studied and have the knowledge to be able to give that kind of a diagnosis. So let's think about that kind of a framework, that diagnosis that a doctor gives based on the framework of knowledge that a doctor has. But let's pull this to spiritual fruit. Let's think about the way this works in our spiritual lives. Spiritual fruit provides us a framework. A framework. A framework just in the same way that a physical doctor has a framework of having known and studied human biology and anatomy and all of the things that pertain to physical health. God's word gives us all the knowledge that we need to know how to think about and a framework to evaluate spiritual health. It's a framework that becomes for us something that allows us to diagnose spiritual condition. Now, we have been thinking in past weeks about the way that these spiritual fruits impact us in our own lives. That, that we are people who are called to bear these fruits. I want us to take a step in a new direction with that today. Let's think about the way that we see and identify and focus on examples of spiritual fruit as we see it in our world around us. As God, through his Holy Spirit, is working and active in and among our world and in and among our community, how do we see it? How do we recognize it? How do we point our finger and say, that's where God is working. That's where God is showing up. That's how God is moving in our world. We use a diagnostic framework of spiritual fruit to get there. That we know what the work of God looks like because it's described for us as spiritual fruit when we see in our world expressions of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when we see examples of that in the world around us, we have a way of being able to identify and say, God is working there. God is doing something there. God is up to something there because we can diagnose the spiritual condition of the world around us. Similarly, when we see the absence of that, or perhaps take some of those things that Paul lists in this passage, which are the counterpoint to that. Anger, rage, malice, slander when we see that in our world around us we have the framework the spiritual framework given to us through God's word to make a diagnosis that we can look at that and say that has spiritual sickness an illness sometimes we think of sin that way that sin is an infection that has taken hold of our world 
taken hold of our human nature. Sin is an illness that we have. And we have the tools to diagnose that, to take a look at that and identify where that happens and where that exists. But we also have the tools to say, and I know what the cure is. I know how to get from a place of sickness to a place of health spiritually because God has given us what we need to identify that and move forward in that. We looked at that nine weeks ago as well. Another passage that we looked at at the beginning of this series came from Matthew chapter 7. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Diagnostic framework. That's what spiritual fruit gives us. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. That we have what we need to be able to look at the world around us and evaluate and analyze that and make a spiritual diagnosis of what we see. And where we see fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, we go there. We embrace that. We take that on to say, yes, that is where God has called us to be. That is what God has called us to do. So let's go there and be a part of that, where we see expressions of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. How does that show up? How do we do that? How does this diagnostic framework give us a way to move forward within that? Well, where the Spirit is bearing fruit in the world around us, those are the places that we should be. Sometimes this becomes obvious. Right? This is something that we see clearly. Think of some of the ministries that we do right here out of this church. Ministries like the Backpack Buddies and the Kids Food Basket. Ministries like our food pantry that we run out of here or the life skills class that we do. Ministries that we support and send volunteers to like World Renew. Those places where we see examples. We see examples of fruit. Fruit of love and joy and peace and on the list goes. And where we see that fruit bearing in people's lives, we go there. We embrace that. We act in accordance with that. So we go where we see the fruit. Sometimes it's easy. Other times, let's keep moving with this, it's a little messy. Messy because, well, as I started and pointed out today, sometimes that fruit is dim. It's faint. It's barely glowing. You have to look hard to see it and, and recognize the potential that 
if spiritual fruit is an ongoing process, sometimes we have to look and identify it in places where it's barely there at all, but we see the potential, the potential of it and say, let's invest into that. Let's take something that is barely evident as spiritual fruit and give that what it needs to grow and blossom and become brighter and brighter. I think in particular of a ministry that we support like 70 times 7 Life Recovery, a a ministry where formerly incarcerated people come out and try to get back into the world, back into society, and so many of these individuals have never known or barely ever known what it's like to live a life that bears fruit. That's a brand new thing for them. So it's dim. It's faint. It's hardly there. But we see it. We see it and we see the potential in that. And we say, what do we have to do to give people like that what they need so that that fruit that is so small and tiny can grow and flourish and blossom and thrive. Sometimes it's a little messy that way in people that we come across, people who our first reaction might be to dismiss that. There's no fruit there. God can't do anything there. But he can, and he does. So we use this diagnostic framework of spiritual fruit and sometimes we have to look a little more closely and a little harder to see it and identify it and go there then there's another one how about times when spiritual fruit shows up in places i never expected to happen or what about times when spiritual fruit shows up in places where you know what I don't want it to because of who I am or maybe grudges that I still hold on to or divisions that take place between us. There may be places I look around me and say, I love it when God bears spiritual fruit in all the circles of the life that I live in, but what happens when God bears spiritual fruit in places where I never thought God would be? I never thought God would show up. I think that's instructive for us to consider because when we have to think about that, we need to admit that, look at Scripture. How often does God show up in places nobody expects? It happens over and over again that God is always showing up in places people did not see coming. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, is given instruction by God. I want you to go anoint a new king for Israel, and he goes to the house of Jesse, and all of Jesse's sons are lined up there. Samuel has no idea and never expects that. Wait, David? That little kid at the end? That's the one that you want to anoint? Who's going to turn out to be the greatest Old Testament king that Israel had? Never expected it to happen that way. Nobody ever expected that God's Messiah would be born in a stable in a tiny village of Bethlehem to an ordinary family. Nobody saw that coming around that time. Nobody expected that Jesus was going to choose a group of disciples and followers who would become the new church and it was a group of 
Ordinary people, fishermen, ordinary, uneducated, not what people expected to see in any way. God is always showing up in places we never expected. As the church moves forward in the New Testament and it begins to plant outside of Israel in all of these other Gentile places around the world, nobody expected that it would be Paul. Paul, that guy who used to persecute and arrest Christians and throw them in prison and try to stamp out this whole Jesus movement, that Paul was going to be the guy who now becomes one of the greatest New Testament missionaries that was ever sent forward. Nobody saw that coming. You catch what I'm getting at here. God shows up where nobody expects. That's instructive. Instructive because in everything that we're saying today about spiritual fruit becoming for us a diagnostic framework to see where God is working in the world around us, How often isn't it true that God shows up in the places we don't expect? The places where we were not looking to see it happen. Let me give you one example of how this has taken shape in my life. And and this goes a ways back. So I grew up in Cutlerville. Uh, It's a suburb of Grand Rapids, about five miles southeast of here. And I grew up going to a Christian Reformed church in Cutlerville, which in the 70s and 80s, I would say, was probably like every other Christian Reformed church in Cutlerville, so it doesn't matter which one it was. And from there, as I learned about God and spiritual fruit and how that comes to be expressed, there there were certain things that I didn't see coming. I didn't expect particularly in the 1980s, was a time when the issue of women serving in church leadership was something of an issue that was being pressed and contested and and back and forth it went. And, And I would tell you at the age I was and in the time that I was living in, here's my confession. I didn't care. I didn't at that time and in that place. It didn't matter to me one way or the other. All right, so there's women who want to serve in church leadership. Fine, that's okay whatever. I didn't care if they did, and I didn't care if they didn't. It didn't matter to me one way or the other. I was indifferent, completely, totally indifferent. Fast forward several years when I was serving as youth pastor in Kalamazoo at Westwood Christian Reformed Church in Kalamazoo. That was the first church I attended where I had the experience of being alongside women that were serving in church leadership. In particular, in that church, my family was in a district separated like we do here, elder deacon districts. I had a district there where the elder who provided care for my family happened to be a woman. And it was an experience where, in a way I had never known before, I experienced exceptional spiritual care from an elder. Now, don't take that in the wrong direction. I'm not saying that, okay, it was because that person happened to be a woman. Or I'm also not saying that, Women always do this better than men, and men provide bad elder spiritual care. 
I'm just saying that was an eye-opening experience for me because I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see God working in that way before. But once it landed right in front of my face, I saw it. Fast forward a little bit later, I, I went back to grad school and finished a seminary degree and, and got to be in preaching class. And several of the other students alongside of me in preaching class happened to be women. And, and so in preaching class, you take turns and you preach and you evaluate one another. And I was astounded at the insight and the wisdom and the depth of theology that some of these women students alongside of me brought to the pulpit in proclaiming the word of God. I didn't expect it. And I didn't expect it because, as I say, as my confession is, for so many years, I was just indifferent. I didn't care. That's when something changed. Where I knew, I knew for me that I could not keep living that way. I could not keep living with an indifference towards this because, because I learned how to use spiritual fruit as a diagnostic framework. And I looked at what I saw happening around me and I, and I saw to myself, there is spiritual fruit that is happening here. I see the evidence of it. I see the evidence in all of these examples that I had experienced and known where women had served in church leadership around me. I saw the evidence. I saw love. I saw joy. I saw peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit was there. The Spirit was there. My indifference towards women serving in church leadership was indifference to the Holy Spirit. I had to confess that. I had to say, God, that's a sin. Sin for me to live that way. Being indifferent to what you're doing in the world, the fruit that you're bearing. I had to change. No longer being indifferent, but from that time forward saying, I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to encourage this because where I see the fruit bearing in the world, that's where we go. That's what we embrace. That's who we are as people who live in the Spirit. When God shows up in places, especially places we didn't expect, we weren't looking, we thought might never happen. But when it does, when we see it, we go there and we embrace that. And it becomes for us a tangible expression of the gospel in our world around us. Let's always be people who are on the lookout for expressions of spiritual fruit. Always. Let's always be people who celebrate spiritual fruit wherever and whenever we see it. In places that we know and it's obvious, in places where it's faint and it's dim, but the potential is there for it to grow, and in places where we never would have thought possible before. But it's there. Use the spiritual fruit that God has given as your diagnostic framework 
to spiritually diagnose the world around you and go where God is going. Join in what God is doing. Be the people that God has called us to be, celebrating and bearing that fruit together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word in the way that you reveal yourself as a God who provides for us in so many ways with so many blessings and so much fruit that we bear. God, we're thankful for the ways that we've been able to see and join in that, those expressions of fruit. God, we are